uh, George. And one of the latest is Iron Net. Crazy day, up big, then slipped some. What's going on here? Well, look, uh, there's a lot lost the social meme stocks going on. And Iron Net has been one of these names. And uh, it, was, uh, it was higher quite a bit today. I think it actually touched around the $48 area. It's starting to sell off in the after hours and actually starting to sell off near the close. So I think it's important to mention that these are very speculative stocks. But in, in essence, the company uh, is in the cybersecurity space. It's uh, considered a leader in the in transition uh, cybersecurity space that's using artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, and behavioral analytics. Again, it's a cloud-based cybersecurity name. It's up and coming, it's growing. Uh, that's that's uh, certainty. The company did also report some earnings, which I'll go over in just a second. But overall, uh, the stock itself has really been uh, essentially a, a phenomenon from a social theme or, or meme standpoint. Uh, and it did carry through today for, for most of the day, but then started to sell off near the close. Uh, Q2 earnings, uh, they, did, they did report yesterday. And here's the kicker. I mean, the stock is up so much uh, in the past few days just based on social sentiment and momentum. They actually reported Q2 earnings in terms of sales, which were down 23%, and they actually missed coming in around $6.1 $6 million. It's a very small revenue generator. And they actually came in below estimates by about $1.3 million. And of course, uh, you have to consider the fact that the company is still losing money. Uh, it lost about $17 million on an operating basis, which is close to three times the sales, which the sales missed. But Overall, the company did post some promising guidance, and I think that's carrying through to the momentum we see today. They do see going forward that subscription revenue is going to increase by about 5.8 million uh, this year relative to where it was expected, but also considering uh, subscription revenue up 60% as well as product revenue up about 65% for the year. All right, so uh, they're making money uh, on, the, uh, on the top line revenue. What about, uh, George, the profitability side, the actual literal making money part? Well, the profitability side, again, this is the question. And there's no doubt that, you know, I've seen lots of crazy stuff happen in the past. Uh, stocks like this can ramp higher in a very short period of time just because of speculation, just because of momentum and hype. And, but this is a real business. Now, the company has been around since 2014. It is a recent uh, IPO via reverse merger SPAC. It was uh, actually yeah. in late August. So it's, you know, it traded around between 10 and $15 on that day. And of course, you can see since then, it's up about threefold. In fact, over the last six months or so, including the range in which it was trading in, which is around uh, $10, which is essentially the NAV around SPACs, uh, it's up about 340%. So if you compare it, uh, ideally speaking, to some of its larger peers like CrowdStrike or Zscaler or Okta, you can see that it's uh, basically a tenfold increase relative to those peers. But you know, the market cap is still relatively low, about $1.7 billion. That, that allows a lot of traders to be able to push a stock like this around. The other thing is, is if you look at it from a price to sales standpoint, now uh, going off of yesterday's numbers, one would say based on forward expectations of top line sales for the year, about 65%, and going forward up to 2024, the company is actually very aggressive. They actually see 150% compound annual growth rates Whew. going through 2024. And if that is the case, then uh, there's a reason the stock is higher. I don't necessarily think that that is a very um, reliable uh, estimate because it, it seems to be rather aggressive relative to its competitors. But based on yesterday's trading, it was trading around 10 to 20 times forward sales, which is a discount to its peers, which have been underperforming. And these are companies like Okta and Zscaler, 
that are trading about 30 plus times forward sales. So again, relative to their peers, uh, Ironet had been trading at a discount in terms of price to sales, mm. but it certainly doesn't have the free cash flow to revenue uh, uh, numbers that a company like CrowdStrike does or a company like Okta and Zscaler. So, so I suggest, again, keep in mind that this is a, a stock that's really moving on momentum, low market cap, and it's very susceptible to huge drawdowns, uh, just like it mm. has gone to the upside. Okay, hey, uh, George, uh, you know, when you talk about Okta and Zscaler's competition, I mean, these are beasts, uh, these companies, right? And uh, uh, in the same category, in terms of competition, uh, you know, it sounds like uh, they've got a lot of uh, you know, pressure, uh, IronNet, to live yeah. up to some very, uh, uh, you know, high expectations here by the group. I mean, Zscaler and Okta, could they buy them or would they just squash them? Yeah, that's, it's a good question. That, it's certainly a possibility, OJ. I mean, the company, if it was a brand new company that just IPO'd and hasn't really had a track record, I would say maybe they wouldn't buy them. But I think overall, IronNet has become you know, a, a namesake when it comes to cybersecurity, right. okay. especially those companies that deal with the behavioral analytics. But I will say this, they did report they have about 51 customers, still very small, but in terms of growth, the number of customers has increased uh, uh, by about uh, more than half, considering they only had 22 last year. Okay, George, good stuff. Uh, thanks for uh, going underneath the hood there to get us some details. Right. As far as like, uh, you know, meme stocks go, this one is at least in the right place at the right time, right? An industry that's good, that's got a ton of money flowing to it. Yeah. Cybersecurity and Vogue uh, from a policy standpoint, it's not like this is a dying retail business, uh, you know, trying to turn around. At least they're swimming uh, downstream. Okay, yep. uh, George, let's go over to uh, Rush Street Interactive, RSI Next. Got a lot to live up to here with the ticker, one of my favorite technical indicators. Yep. Yeah, so RSI for relative strength. Yeah, Rust right. Interactive, uh, it's an interesting company. Uh, there's been a lot of activity, OJ, in the online gaming space. We know that Penn National, for instance, was a traditional brick and mortar casino. They moved quickly into online gaming. The stock has done really well. Caesars is moving in that way. DraftKings, very popular stock, which actually recently bought Golden Nugget Online Gaming, and they paid about a 50% premium in equity. Uh, so there is a little bit of speculation that Rust Street might be next on the block uh, in mm. terms of an acquisition. Now, that's some of the speculation behind it, but it's an online, primarily an online casino gambling company. They have online sports betting, which is, again, uh, part of what uh, DraftKings is, uh, is involved in. They also have what's interesting enough with, uh, with Rush Street, they have uh, retail sports, sports betting linked to online. So they actually partner up with uh, traditional brick-and-mortar casinos. And lastly, they actually have social uh, gaming. And so they have free-to-play as well as pay-to-play uh, games, which are non-casino based. Uh, they actually bought a company called Boom Entertainment, which is actually a traditional game developer, uh, like arcade or, or if you will, console kinds of games, not necessarily casino games. So they're, they're bargaining out when it comes down to how they operate. By the way, they operate in 10 states. They're uh, trying to get to approval in uh, three states from legislatures. Uh, there was a catalyst mm. today as well. Wells Fargo upgraded the stock, or actually started the stock uh, in terms of coverage with an equal weight, and they actually moved their target to 21 from 15, which is around consensus. Uh, the consensus is somewhere between 20 and $21. But again, it looks like it's been moving based upon speculation that it could be bid up, uh, bought out. Uh, one of the things that I did find out is, is that there's, you know, of course, there's a lot of jockeying going on 
when it comes down to the uh, the sports betting and the online betting market. For instance, uh, we know that DraftKings, uh, as well as FanDuel, they actually have about 50% of the online sports betting market. So right now, with those two companies very concentrated in terms of market share, you're probably going to see a lot of gathering, a lot of acquisitions made by companies. Uh-huh. Now, the other thing is, is, is we're all is, going is, different is, ways right now. Deal with Caesar. All these businesses, yeah, it's wild, the, the dispersion. There, there is a lot of dispersion. I'll, and I'll address that in just a sec, but there's there's also talk that maybe ESPN may be partnering up with a company like Caesars, as well as perhaps even a company like Caesars or Penn, you know, making an acquisition of RSI. So this is the speculation. I just want to clarify uh-huh. that. Okay. But overall, I think that right now, uh, with the premium that uh, DraftKings paid for Gold and Nugget Online Gaming, we're starting to see a push to the upside. But if you look at the casinos overall, the challenges primarily have been, you know, COVID, so the online, uh, the online betting platforms like RSI and DraftKings have done extremely well. Uh, the other thing is, is think about casinos like uh, Win in China. They're facing a lot of regulatory scrutiny. You can see over the last three months, Win has been effectively uh, just just uh, on a fire to the downside, just a yeah. dumpster fire down about 33%, whereas RSI <laughs> is up about uh, 43%. DraftKings is up over 20%. Okay, so uh, if you don't have a very pure online gambling play, uh, then you're going the way of an old casino. However, obviously the China stuff specifically, but the big reason why they look different is because Caesar has the online exposure, not because it's, you know, uh, U.S. only. That's correct, right? George Caesar and MGM have more roots into the online gaming uh, market. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. If you pull up that chart again, if you you notice it, you'll see Caesars is right in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Of course, a, you know, a blend between online, of course, and, and brick and mortar, because there's still traffic. People want to go and entertain themselves at casinos. And that's why I think it's important to look at the dispersion between, you know, pure, if you will, online gambling uh, establishments or those that are more hybrid orientated like Caesars versus those that are unfortunately uh, very exposed to places like Macaulay, Wynn and Las Vegas Sands and, and too much exposure in the in traditional brick and mortar space. So there's definitely a divergence happening in the gaming uh, or, or online casino and of course uh, sports betting world and Rush Street seems to be one of the uh, one of the one of the better performing players in, in the space.